Good evening and welcome to another edition of Reporters Roundtable. We are coming to you from the Voice of America in Washington. I'm Douglas Mboga. This evening, we look at the growth of democratic institutions in Africa, the case study of Zambia. And with us tonight is my colleague, uh, Vincent Makori, Managing Editor TV English Africa. Uh, welcome to the show, Vincent. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And also joining us is another colleague, Blessing Zulu of, of VOA Zimbabwe Service. Uh, blessings, once again, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much, Douglas. You're very much welcome. As I say, tonight we are looking at the growth of democratic institutions in Africa. Uh, recently there was an election in Zambia, and uh, despite what skeptics said, it, it went through very well, and voters picked uh, Haikande Hichilema, a businessman who had lost five previous bids for the job to take over from Edgar Lungu, who has led the Southern African nation since 2015. Uh, let me start here in studio, Vicent. Yes, Zambia, he is a man who has contested several times. He didn't give up. The people didn't give up. The pres- outgoing president, Lungu, eventually complained, in fact, even that the election was being rigged. He was in charge of organizing the election. This is quite a study in democratic institutions on the continent. I I think it's uh, such a a stunning study in uh, the growing of democratic institutions in Africa. Certainly not perfect, but uh, what we saw first from um, uh, Hichilema is the resilience and persistence in uh, uh, you know, uh, vying for a position uh, of, of, you know, the highest office in the land. Uh, given the kind of frustration that we know, we saw him go through over the years, and especially during the time of Edgar Lungu, it was really remarkable that he persisted and pushed on, and eventually he is the president today. But one of the things that has to be appreciated about the election in Zambia uh, is that uh, we have seen successfully now uh, power transfer from one person to the other. And it's been from ruling party to opposition to another ruling party to an opposition party. And that is something that when we look across the continent is a rarity. It is something we always look forward to, but we don't get to witness. Elections are always fraught with um, tension, violence, uncertainty. And in many cases, the incumbents are not known to accept defeat, to accept a loss. And so they would rather disrupt the peace of the land. They would rather uh, find a way to manipulate the Constitution in order to stay on in power. So we've seen uh, things happening a bit differently in Zambia, uh, which is a good study in how democracy grows. They are yet to get there. Now, what was particularly remarkable in this case is that the incumbent was so confident was going to win. First, we know he was organizing the election. Uh, We witnessed uh, him deploy uh, soldiers to certain regions, especially the opposition strongholds. And uh, this was, of course, intended to to intimidate the voters. But at the end of the day, uh, the masses, especially the youth, uh, prevailed by turning up in large numbers and voting for their candidate was uh, uh, Akainde Ichelima. And initially, a a day or two before the official results, of course, we saw uh, the incumbent trying to uh, start to cast doubts on the validity of the votes and talking about uh, the votes, uh, the election having not been free and fair. But when he looked at the 
the percentage by which he was losing this election, he realized he had to accept defeat. And to see him come up and actually acknowledge the win of the election and call him His Excellency Chalima Hakainde uh, or Hakainde Chalima, uh, that was remarkable. And I think he's a good example. Uh, Zambia is not yet there, like many countries in Africa, but it is on the path of democracy, and that is a lesson that many countries can learn from south to north, west to east. Blessing uh, your general take on this election and compare it to the region there because we have had elections there. Other people don't even allow the opposition candidates to campaign. So what's the general take on this result? Uh, it is a very uh, significant uh, victory because uh, I think there were fears in the southern African uh, region that uh, Zambia was bound to become the new Zimbabwe uh, because uh, uh, former President uh, Edgar Lungu was um, uh, putting in place some very, very repressive laws. So that is why there, were, uh, there was so much fear uh, that uh, the country was uh, headed uh, in the wrong direction. But uh, I think, uh, importantly, apart uh, from what uh, Vincent has said about the power of the uh, incumbent leader, uh, we have seen that uh, in many, many countries. Uh, the, the president, you know, enjoys a lot of support, say, by handpicking uh, members of the army and the police. And uh, one of the things that um, Hichilema did was to fire all the police uh, chiefs and uh, also the army top brass. Uh, because they were not allowing him to campaign, citing uh, COVID-19 regulations, whereas the patriotic front of former President Lungu was allowed uh, to campaign. Uh, but I think one issue that is also uh, significant is the issue of the economy. Uh, is the economy stupid, so they say. You'd see that ahead of the elections, uh, Zambia's uh, uh, economy was uh, performing poorly, Unemployment was very high, particularly amongst uh, the youth. And uh, you must remember that uh, this is the group that actually helped swing uh, the outcome in uh, Lema's uh, favor. There was also the issue of uh, corruption uh, that uh, the Lunga administration was uh, failing to handle. Of course, uh, Zambia, the, the, the external debt, uh, $12 billion, uh, the country mostly relies uh, in, on, on, on um, uh Copper, and um, the, the the problem is uh, sometimes uh, the, the prices are usually determined by the uh, international uh, markets. It does not have uh, control. So over reliance on copper, I think, has been Zambia's downfall. So those are some of the issues uh, that uh, President Lungu clearly uh, failed to uh, to resolve, uh, resulting, I think, in this. Uh, a rather shocking defeat. He lost by close to or over a million uh, votes, something that was not uh, expected. So in the region, or in Africa in general, I think one hopes that uh, this can be uh, replicated in uh, Cameroon, uh, in uh, Zimbabwe, for example, where there are serious, serious problems. Uh, but also, interestingly, in the region, we also uh, saw another peaceful transfer of power, uh, although there were hiccups in Malawi, where President Lazarus Chakwera uh, defeated uh, Professor Peter Mutarika. Also, under this uh, COVID pandemic, uh, of course, there were uh, problems 
when it comes to the opposition uh, campaigning is uh, the, the, the ruling party uh, in Malawi and in Zambia fight these uh, COVID um, uh, regulations to thwart the opposition from campaigning. So I think in terms of democracy, it's a step forward, uh, just hoping that it can be replicated in other countries. Uh, Vicent, uh, we give credit to Lungu for having considered and uh, allowed things to work, but it was not for, for lack of trying because, uh, as, uh, as Blessing there mentioned, even ahead of the elections, there were irregularities in voter registration. There was the reports of violent last quashing opposition demonstrations, and even during the voting, the government deployed military to the streets, citing attacks on Lungu supporters, and it restricted access to social media sites, a decision that a court quickly overturned. Despite all this, other leaders would have gone a step further. Credit should be given to Lungu for having at least held back and found where to stop. Exactly. I mean, uh, the, they propensity to disrupt the peace of a country for uh, personal and selfish, um, you know, need to hang on to power is something that uh, tends to be very present on the continent of Africa. Now, Lungu definitely could have tried that, but I think he might have looked uh, back to the history of Zambia and realized that there's none of the recent leaders of Zambia that pulled such kind of a stunt to plunge the country into chaos. Zambia has a history of peace. Uh, Zambians have been known to be peaceful people even uh, during difficult times. He might have drawn back to the history of the country, the recent history of the country. But also I think credit has to be given to the voters themselves. The overwhelming uh, um, numbers of votes by which Ichilema won uh, were on themselves, actually, mm-hmm. a very compelling reason for Edgar Lungu to to, to acknowledge mm-hmm. this defeat. Mm-hmm. How were you going to tell one point something million people that their votes didn't mean anything? And and I think the electoral commission was going to have a very very difficult time to try and play any kind of shenanigans around these elections. So while the desire might have been there to either manipulate the election or to interfere with the process, it was an impossibility because of the turnout itself. The other thing I think one has to acknowledge is that uh, there was, uh, of course, Lunga had kind of indicated uh, discomfort with this loss. Uh, but I think um, looking at, uh, you know, what's going on around uh, his own region, as you say, there was a good model of Malawi. Why would he want to plunge his country into chaos or to cause a lot of unnecessary disruptions when there was a peaceful transfer of power in neighboring Malawi? So sometimes when you have good examples around you, uh, you are likely to act uh, at, uh, you know, differently. So credit does go to him, uh, but again, uh, credit for what? I mean, he did what he is supposed to do. And I think circumstances might have forced him to do the right thing. And that is what all leaders should do. Allow the electro, uh, the democratic processes to take place and accept the verdict, uh, which is the wish of the people, whichever direction it takes you. Uh, a blessing. Uh, is it Glongo's uh, credit or maybe some institutions in Zambia Actually worked. Of course, there are such uh, complaints, uh, for example, in Zimbabwe, that uh, the judiciary is um, 
uh, largely controlled uh, by uh, the government or one may say the ruling ZANU-PF party. And um, if the opposition, for example, appeals against uh, alleged um, misconduct uh, during the elections, uh, the judges, everyone um, pretty much uh, alleges that uh, they side with the ruling party. Uh, of course, uh, I think going back to Zambia, you see that Lungu had actually tried that uh, to weaken uh, key democratic institutions such as the police, like I mentioned earlier, the army and all that. But at the end of the day, I think to Vincent's point, uh, the margin was just too too high. You know, he could not overturn uh, this uh, this uh, Hichilema victory because the, the, the margin was a million. Uh, that's not a joke. So I think rigging can happen uh, if the turnout is low. I think you can uh, give the ruling parties uh, that leeway to rig elections. But I think uh, what Lung did uh, should also be commended. I mean, looking at what uh, happened in America, way up to now, former President Donald Trump has not even considered that he lost to uh, President Joe Biden. So that uh, becomes a problem because many people actually look at America and say this is a democratic place. So this, there is a problem, you know, with uh, leaders, be it in Africa or here in America or in other parts of the world, that uh, many simply do not want to leave power even if uh, they lose elections. Uh, but you know what happens? Um, there was uh, a, a, a coup uh, in, in, in Zimbabwe that ousted former uh, President uh, Robert uh, Gabriel Mugabe, now late. And we have seen this uh, in other African countries, uh, in Nigeria, you know, in Ghana, uh, simply because... Um, you know, you know what happens if a cop stays for too long, it will chase away monarchs. <laughs> so that's uh, that, 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 that's the that's the problem. That um, uh, you have also seen some leaders changing the constitution. Even Lungu, I think there were complaints about that uh, because he was arguing that he was only finishing former President Sata's uh, term. Uh, so he changed the the, the the constitution so so that he could run again. So sometimes we have progressive constitutions that say you can only run for two terms. But they've been changed in uh, Namibia, for example. Uh, we have seen it in Rwanda. You see, so those are some of the uh, uh, problems with uh, African democracy. Vincent, uh, we talk about the Lungu and all these and institutions. I think also credit goes to the people themselves because uh, in some countries people are cowed down. They don't they don't fight. So say some of them say leader tries an abortion leader tries once and twice. Say, ah, you have failed. You have failure. Yeah. So put the pussy machine. That didn't happen in Zambia. That's why I said a lot of credit has to go to the voters themselves. You know, the voters at some point realize that the incumbent or the people who are in positions of power at that particular time have may want to actually manipulate elections, may, may want to continue staying in, in power uh, by hook or crook. Now, when the people realize that, they know that numbers make a difference and that is when people can come out instead of coming out in, to protest on the streets uh, after the election they decide to come out in large numbers to vote because uh, when that force of the vote is apparent to the whole world it becomes impossible to uh, you know manipulate these elections but of course we've seen also the, the destruction of uh, 
you know, the incumbents denying, uh, you know, the victor uh, their rightful place. Uh, and, and, and again, it ha especially it is dangerous when the vote and uh, I think that's what Zulu was, uh, was alluding to. When, when the vote is too close, it's easy for the incumbent to now, uh, you know, turn things around. So the credit goes to the Zambians uh, for having made sure that the margin <laughs> was so wide yes. that it was impossible to do anything about it. But now, I wanted to mention that, you see, we have a history on the continent that people can also make some reference to. Some, uh, to uh, the year 2007, there was an election in Kenya uh, where, undeniably, the opposition leader, Raila Odinga, was winning the election. Mm -hmm. And uh, the incumbent, Mwaiki Baki, realized that because at a particular point, it was very clear that all his significant votes had already come in. Mm -hmm. Whatever was left out there could never give him a victory, and Raila Odinga was going to win. This is a fact. It's there. Mm -hmm. What did he do? He decided to stop, to stop the process of mm -hmm. <laughs> tallying the votes. Mm -hmm. They instructed the Electoral Commission to stop transmitting any further uh, uh, results mm. and got sworn in at night mm. at State House, which was on, on its own very telling, the fact that uh, you get sworn in at mm. night mm -hmm. in State House mm -hmm. without any uh, witnesses, without the usual, you know, inauguration kind of uh, um, ceremonies that we know. Now, what did that do? Why do I mention that? It led the country to an explosion of violence and that actually stained Kenya as a democracy at that point, and it took a long time for the country to come to a, a level of stability that we're kind of witnessing today. But even since then, of course, there have been complaints of manipulation of the elections mm -hmm. of those who are uh, the incumbents. So the power of the people can be uh, dis displayed during the election, and uh, sometimes it becomes too much for even the incumbent to push back, and they're left with no option but to acknowledge the verdict of the people, just as Mr. Lungu did in Zambia. Uh, Blessing, do you agree with Vincent? Because, you see, even the Electoral Commission there at least had the courage to tally the, the results and announce them as they were. In other countries, they have been, the commission has been cowed, and then they, even some of the, in some countries actually they have been told what to, to, to declare. Uh, indeed, we saw that in Zimbabwe in 2008, uh, when uh, President Mugabe lost the first round to Changrai, elections were not uh, declared for more than 20 days. They were supposed to uh, be declared in three to five days, but it took 20 days. You know, and um, though Changrai won, uh, the uh, final tally was that uh, he did not uh, have the 50 plus one vote to become the president. He fell short, but many people are, uh, still argue to this day that, um, you know, for those 21 days, they were playing with the numbers. But I think it also uh, goes to the fact that uh, if the margin is small, there is room to rig elections. Uh, so in, the, the other problem uh, in Africa are the regional bodies that you have, like ECOWAS, uh, like SADAC uh, uh, in, in, in Southern Africa. Mm. Usually, they just uh, declare that elections are free and fair. There is no... Uh, most of the uh, institutions are, you know, like old boys clubs, mm -hmm. you know, African leaders protecting each other. So this 
they, they do not like empower these uh, electoral bodies in the region, you know, to make sure that they are independent and then they are backing them, you know, because the regional bodies will be, um, would have declared the election free and fair. We saw that happening in Malawi, you know, as soon as uh, the election was done, uh, the of course, uh, there was a lot of uh, allegations that it was rigged. The electoral board in Malawi announced the results, said um, Tarika had won, uh, but uh, Chakwera appealed to the Supreme Court and eventually, uh, you know, they discovered that there were some irregularities. But, of course, uh, the Southern African Development Community, the uh, African Union, had all declared that election free and fair. So those are some of the problems that... Uh, the institutions that are supposed to uh, protect democracy in Africa are not doing enough. Hence, you have uh, these uh, serious, serious problems. I see. Avicent, uh, blessing there yeah. mentioned that's an important factor because yeah. these regional blocks, the African community, SADAC, ECOWAS, as he says, they are uh, members club of some sort, yes. and uh, it would it would it would help if they were united in advancing in the democratic values and saying no, they can't do you can't go there here you can't yes. go there. Yes, hmm? uh, let me tell you, the, I've covered elections in a number of countries, and one of the most frustrating thing uh, is to sit and listen to briefing by. Uh, the heads of these observer groups, especially mm. African ones. Mm. So, first thing you, you realize is that they're normally led by a former African leader, mm. a former president who also has gone through the same processes as an incumbent and who probably has some ties even with the person who is running, who is the incumbent in a particular country. So, these are not people who are thoroughly... Uh, free, they're not necessarily very independent in their thinking because they are a product of the same system and they tend to defend and protect uh, the, the, the faulty or uh, the, you know, the, the systems that exist because they want to look like they're good Africans. So they will never tell you what you know, ideally is the reality that uh, the elections are not free and fair because in their assessment, by doing that, they will be interfering with the peace of a particular country. So many times they will tell you there were just minor, minor issues here and there. Mm-hmm. And, and they will declare all those elections usually free and fair, even when there is open rigging, when it is as, as clear mm-hmm. uh, as you can imagine. Uh, you know, rigged or, or, or interfered with or manipulated, whichever you may want to call it. So for me, I think uh, that fails the continent. Those organizations fail the continent. SADC, uh, the East Africa community, the Africa Union itself. And again, it's a replication of, of the same, you know, mm-hmm. the same people or this agency or these uh, institutions are, or organizations are being led by former African leaders or African mm-hmm. high-ranking officials. So I, I think... Um, uh, there needs to be honesty among Africans, and there needs to be really independent uh, election observers, not made up of former politicians. And there are actually some of those, especially grassroots level observer groups, which never have a high profile mm-hmm. um, appearance, and therefore they never get a lot of coverage. People tend to focus on. Oh, former president of Sierra Leone mm-hmm. was uh, the head of this observer group, mm-hmm. and, and then you interview those people, or the former president of Nigeria. 
But when you go down to the real uh, independent observer groups in countries, they tell you the truth. And why do they tell you the truth? Normally, they've been there way before the election. Mm -hmm. They know what has been happening with the Electoral Commission and the other uh, bodies that are involved in the election. They know the politics of the country. They know where corruption is. So when they give you the assessment of the election, they give it to you from a position of knowledge. And they have some experience about how elections are held mm -hmm. in those countries. But when you have people just paratrooping, in. Uh, parachuting in, uh, two days before the election, they stay in some beautiful hotels. On the day of the election, they just walk about mm -hmm. and, and visit a mm -hmm. few yes. polling stations and mm -hmm. then go back and compile a report. It's usually a big joke. Mm -hmm. I, I never take them seriously, honestly. I see. A blessing. Uh, there, there are some who say uh, the COVID situation may have played a role. As we have seen the last one year or so, those elections in Africa during the COVID pandemic, some incumbents have taken advantage did it work against Lungu in Zambia, do you think? Yeah, I think uh, for Lungu, it's uh, the economy. I think that was uh, his uh, uh, biggest uh, problem. Uh, you know, everything uh, economic-wise was just headed south. So because of that, and also the youth vote, you know, Hitlema uh, was able to take advantage of that uh, even under COVID regulations. But uh, interestingly, the United Nations uh, has warned the countries against using uh, COVID-19 to repress the opposition. We have seen this uh, in Zimbabwe. What they did uh, was that um, they recalled uh, the uh, opposition MPs. Uh, you know, the government is um, accused of uh, supporting one uh, faction of the opposition, the one that is very popular. So they recalled about 80 members of parliament and also councillors. And uh, for almost nine months now, there are no elections to replace those people because the government is citing COVID-19 regulations. So this has severely weakened uh, the, the parliament in Zimbabwe. Uh, and uh, this has happened also in uh, other countries where, uh, of course, they say the opposition uh, cannot uh, campaign because of uh, COVID. So many repressive regimes have taken advantage of uh, this COVID situation to further weaken uh, democratic institutions. I see. Uh, recently, lastly, uh, had Long been in power for 20 years, you think this would have happened? And go ahead. Uh, certainly not. If he had been in power for too long, as it happens is that when you stay in power for too long, you start believing that uh, the country belongs to you, that leadership in that country belongs to you. And uh, actually, um, I had wanted to mention the kind of the same thing that Zulu has just mentioned. When you think of Paul B.I., when you think about the Theodore Obiangs, the Denis Ngueso, one of the things that you will realize when you go to those countries is that those leaders who have stayed too long in power, they feel like they have a, a, an ownership of that country. And uh, that is why you would see that all those who have stayed too long in power, uh, in those countries, democracy dies. And over time, they personalize leadership and the country becomes their personal property. And they tend to they don't have a plan for succession. But when they do have a plan for succession, it is always their children. And we've seen what happened in, in, in Libya. However well-intentioned a leader is, he ends up being repressive 
and they tend to think of the country as a personal property. So uh, the, the only way that democracy can flourish is to, to have term limits. Any president who tells people that he needs to stay in power so long because he wants to fix so many things in the country before he leaves, obviously he has no love for his people. He doesn't care about his country. He cares only about himself. There is no country that can develop and flourish when one particular person personalizes leadership and personalizes the resources and wealth of the nation. It doesn't end well. And finally, I want to say, you can look across the continent, and those who are in power for too long can listen if they want to care to listen to what I'm saying. Nowhere a person has stayed too long that it ended well. It did not end well in Congo. It did not end well in, in, uh, for them in uh, Libya. doesn't end well for you in Sudan. doesn't end well for anybody who stays so long in power. doesn't end well for them as individuals, and the countries always never do well at the end. I see. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time. That wraps up this edition of Reporters Roundtable. Thanks to my colleagues, Vincent Makori, Managing Editor, TV English to Africa, and Blessing Zulu of the VOS Zimbabwe Service. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. You're welcome. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Reporters Roundtable. Once again, thanks very much for tuning in. And until next week, I'm your host, Douglas Mpuga. This is 